everybody. How are you? Good, good to have you this weekend. Thank you for, for being here. Uh, if you have your Bibles, your electronic devices, you either click to, turn to, uh, whether you're old school, new school, uh, you can either click to, turn to, Acts chapter 1, verse 9. Um, and you may not be aware, we also use, use version here, the Bible app. And so you can go to version. you can search on Fellowship of the Rockies, and so we'll come up, you punch on that, and then as a result of that, the outline, the notes, all the scriptures will appear. You can actually take notes off your phone or tablet and then email them to, your, uh, to yourself or, or, or maybe to somebody else if you would like to do that. Um, and so that's available to you as well. Well, we started a series last week called The First Church. And so we're, we're journeying through the first four chapters of the book of Acts. And we think it would be worth our time just to walk through the book of Acts and see the principles and the priorities of the first church. And maybe their principles and maybe their priorities should become our principles and our priorities. And so we've been walking verse by verse and sometimes word by word through, through the first uh, few chapters of, of Acts. And so today I've entitled this message, and, and even this message gives me some angst. Uh, and it's called the patient church. And you know why it does that? Because I hate to wait. Are you like that? Do you like to wait? Does anybody like to wait? I hate to wait. I, I mean, I'm telling you, I, I hate to wait. Um, I, even if I don't have anywhere else to go, even if I don't have another appointment, I just hate to wait. I hate the issue of waiting in life, right? I feel like it's just being inefficient. I feel like it's a waste of time. I feel like it's not productive. And I don't know if you're like me, but I, I genuinely, I mean, I, I hate, I just, I hate to wait. It doesn't even matter what I'm waiting for, whether I'm waiting for a movie to start, uh, whether I'm waiting for, like, the commercials to end, whether I'm, whether I'm, I'm waiting for uh, a light to turn green or, to, or if I'm waiting for chips and salsa to get to the table, right? <laughs> I hate this issue of waiting because, honestly, it doesn't matter what I'm waiting for. I just hate to wait. Now, listen, some of the things I hate to wait for the most is, like, making it through I-25 construction traffic. I mean, I just hate that because sometimes I think I'm about ready to lose my religion right here. I mean, it's insane what happens on I-25 when people, because you know what? I realize when I'm sitting in those lines, I'm not the only one that doesn't like to wait, right? I mean, everybody funneling down, and, and I live on the south side about a mile uh, from our church. I was going to the north side. I'm traveling northbound I-25, and, you know, I get to where the bridge construction is, and, and it is backed up. I mean, it's backed up like forever. And I'm like, well, this isn't going to be productive. And so I'm like, you know what? Maybe that's what the emergency lane's for. And so I jump in. I'm a Texan, so that's how we drive. And so I jump in the emergency lane, and I think it was legal. I had my emergency flashers on. And so, uh, so I exit off Abriendo. I cut through downtown, you know, and finally make it to 13th Street, jump out on I-25. And you know what hit me? It would have been quicker if I had to wait in line, right? But it, see, it does not matter to me. It, listen, it does not matter to me because at least I'm moving. See, I hate to wait. I hate to just sit and stand still. I hate that feeling of like doing nothing. And so it doesn't matter to me if I have to drive through downtown and light after light after light. At least I feel like I'm moving. At least I feel like I'm headed to my goal. Now, listen, I'm telling you, I'm coming to you and talking to you this morning about the subject of the patient church because really and truly it, it, it's something I struggle with. I mean, it's something that I struggle with, the, just these seasons of waiting. Let me stop and just ask you, have you ever gone through a season of waiting? Are you in a season of waiting right now? This isn't something that's temporary. This isn't something, this is different than a trial. 
I mean, this is a, this is a season of waiting. This is a season of headed into a, a desert experience, a wilderness experience. This is, this is more than in a moment. This is, I mean, a trial is different. A trial is like airplane departure delays and, 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 and traffic delays and, and, and snowstorms and government shutdowns and, and having to drive with Texans on icy roads. And, and see, that's a trial. Barking dogs in the middle of night. See, that's a trial. That is not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a season of waiting. I'm talking about a season of waiting where you go into this like this desert experience and you feel like maybe God's a million miles away. You don't even understand what you're walking through. And see, what makes waiting for me, what makes waiting difficult is we don't know how long our wait is. See, I think if I knew, I think if I knew I only have to wait a week, two weeks, three months, a year, then I could suck it up and I could get through it. I could think, you know what, I can do anything for a year. At least I know, at least I know when the answer's coming. At least I know when, like, this thing's going to be taken care of. At least I know that, that when I'm going to, like, move forward, you see these seasons of wait can be so difficult. But listen, let me tell you something. We're going to walk through this. We're going to understand this this morning. Because I think it cuts across the grain of every one of us at some degree. None of us really like to wait. Because there's something about a wait that we feel like we're out of control. We feel like that, that we can't make it happen. We can't. Listen, I'm telling you, just because you go through a season of waiting does not mean you're outside of the will of God, does not mean it's sin. There's a lot of times that God, listen, God has a reason for taking through wait. Sometimes we can enter in a season of waiting, and you know what? What brought us into that desert experience, what brought us into that wilderness experience, you know what it was? It, 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 it was a crisis. It was a crisis in our life. It was a, it was a loss of a job, reduction in staff. It was a death of a loved one, death of a friend, a cancer diagnosis, waiting on test results, waiting on results from a doctor's report, betrayal of a friend, a shattered dream, a wayward child, a car accident, an inability to get pregnant, their dryness or loss of joy and, and freedom in, in life. I mean, it's, it's, these seasons of wait is where we can begin to question ourselves and maybe even question God and maybe even question the church. I mean, I, I've learned this because in seasons of wait, when, when I've tried to do things my way, when I've tried to get around it or go over it, go under it, get out of this season of wait, can I just tell you, it always caused me more problems. God does, I'm telling you, God does some of his best work in the wilderness. God does some of his best work in the desert experience that we go through. And so maybe I'm talking to some of you today and, you know, you would say, you know what, that's me. I'm in a, I'm in a season, season of wait. I'm waiting for that job promotion. I'm, I'm, waiting, I'm, waiting, I'm waiting for that job. I'm, I'm waiting for some medical tests to come back. I, I'm waiting, waiting for, like, a, a job opportunity to come back. I, I'm, I'm waiting. I'm just waiting. I'm waiting on God to do something and some relationships around me, some situations around me. I mean, I, I, I am in that serious series of waiting, and I can tell you, I know what that is like. I know what it's like to walk through a season of waiting, and you feel like, you know what, I am not making any progress here. I am, it just seems like, it seems like I, it's just, it's slow coming, and as we walk through the book of Acts, I, I just want you to understand this. See, see Jesus tells the disciples, he, he tells them before his death and burial and resurrection in John, all the way from John 14 to John 16, and the he tells them again, we'll read it in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. This is like the last conversation Jesus has with the disciples. 
And he tells the disciples, he's basically been telling the disciples, the day is going to come when I'm going to have to go away. It's to your advantage if I go away, because if I don't go away, then I can't send you the helper, the Holy Spirit, the one that will guide you, the navigator, and power you to allow you to give you the power to do what I've called you to do. He said, but in this season, listen, in this season, there's going to come a season from the ascension of, of Christ to the coming of the Holy Spirit, and, and you're going to have to wait. We don't like to talk about this a lot in church, but can I just tell you, waiting is a part of God's plan. Waiting can be a part of God's plan in your life. And God does some of his best work when he brings us to the place, that desert experience, that wilderness experience. And so Acts chapter 1, verse 8, so this is the last conversation that Jesus has with the disciples, and he tells them, he says, but you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And so, so Jesus is gathering these guys together. It's the last conversation. He says, guys, I'm going to go away, but you've got a job to do. And you're going to impact your city, you're going to impact your state, and you're going to impact the world. And so, but you're, but you're going to have to wait. And so I, I have three principles for you this morning. The first two, we're going we're gonna to blow through pretty quickly. And then we are going to camp in this issue of waiting. The first thing is this, and Jesus helped them understand that. The first thing is this, Jesus had to leave. Jesus helped the disciples understand over and over and over. So he had prepared them for this, that Jesus was going to have to leave. Verse 9, as we just continue through this journey, and when he had said these things, speaking of Jesus, Jesus told them, you're going to be my witnesses in Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. And after he had said these things, they were looking on. He was lifted up, and a cloud took, took him out of their sight. Can you imagine that? I mean, the resurrected Jesus over the last 40 days, he had appeared to the disciples many different times. And he kept telling them, you've, you've got a job to do, and I'm going to go away, and I'm going to send a helper. I'm going to send this Holy Spirit that's going to guide you, that's going to navigate you. Uh, navigate you through life. And, and the Bible says that just as Jesus completed that sentence, it, it was like he, he ascended. He started going. Can you imagine witnessing that? It's like he's ascending up to heaven. And the clouds probably covered him. And the disciples are in shock and they're staring and they're just looking like, what just happened? Verse, verse 10. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood, stood by them in white robes, their angels, and said, men of Galilee... Why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. So, so Luke tells us that, that Jesus ascends into heaven, and then the disciples, they're in shock, even though they knew this day was coming. They just not, did not know it would be today. And they're in shock, and, and so they're, they're like, I mean, what else are you going to do? I mean, they are, they are staring into heaven. In fact, is in the Greek, that word looking into heaven, it means to be in shock, it means to gaze upon, it means to focus on, it means to stare at. I mean, in, in our language, it would be for us to say, you know what, I stood there with my mouth wide open. I could not believe what I just saw. Maybe many of you re relate to, related to that when you watch the Saints and the Rams play, right? In the pass interference call, the, the, like the non-call, and all of a sudden you realize, you know, like this team, anyway, I won't process any emotion. And you're staring at the TV, and your mouth is wide open. You're like, I cannot believe what is happening. I cannot believe they didn't call that. I, I, and then you see replay after replay after replay. And you, and you stand there, and you just see, this is the disciples. The disciples are like staring. And so this angel says, why, why, are, you, why are you looking to the sky? See, a lot of times we believe to wait means to do nothing. 
See, that's the problem. A lot of times, you know the reason we don't like to wait? Is because a lot of times we believe, you know what, that just, we get into the spiritual mode and we think, you know what, waiting means that we just absolutely like do nothing. And so this angel comes to them and says, why, guys, he's giving you some instructions here. Why are you gazing up in the sky? Why are you in shock? Why are you standing there? He said, just remember the same way that Jesus left one day, he's coming back for you. And so, Jesus, so the angels begin reminding him of that. And the, the Bible tells us that the, that the clouds probably covered Jesus to where they never could see, so they couldn't see him. And so the first thing is this, is Jesus had to leave. And the second thing is this, the Holy Spirit had to come. And so, so Jesus had to leave. The Holy Spirit had, had to come. And Jesus prepared them in John 16, 7. It says, nevertheless, Jesus is talking. I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper... Remember, that's capitalized, Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. So Jesus is telling them again. He's telling them, I, I, man, you're going to need to do what I've called you to do on earth. You're going to need the power of the Holy Spirit. That he will empower you. He will guide you. He will instruct you. He will teach you. He will lead you. But, and we'll read it in a second, but earlier, in, he told them, but you're going to have to wait. You know what, you know what this tells me? There's a purpose in your season of waiting. There is a purpose in their season of waiting. And whether we like it and whether we don't understand it, guess what? There is a purpose in our season of of waiting. Jesus made it very clear to them that they would have to wait. And Jesus made it very clear to them that there, there would be this time in between him going to heaven and the Holy Spirit coming. But he had something. I'm telling you, that season of waiting was important. It was important for what these guys did. And I think there's a lot that we can apply into our lives when we're going through a season of waiting, when we're going through a season of questions. And verse 12, it, it, watch this. He says, it's the scripture says, <coughs> and then they returned to Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives, uh, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day journey away. So, so all of a sudden, Jesus goes away. The Holy Spirit hasn't come yet. They're in a season of waiting. And all of a sudden, they says, you know what we need to do? We need to go back to Jerusalem. Remember, that's what Jesus told them to do, verse 8. So all of a sudden, they're, they're saying, we've got to go back to, to Jerusalem. Now listen, um, the walk from the Mount of Olives to Jerusalem is a short walk. This is, what he, this is what Luke's trying to say when he says a Sabbath day journey or a Sabbath day walk. This happened on the Sabbath day. And so if you know anything about Jewish tradition or our, our Sabbath laws of the day. It was a Sabbath day, and so they had tradition or they had laws that, that what constituted work and what didn't constitute work. And so if they, if they went over the line and it was worked, then it would be sin for them. And so they were allowed to walk a, a short distance. They were allowed to walk a short distance, but a long distance would have been considered work. And so Luke is just trying to point out, hey, it was a Sabbath day journey. In other words, they didn't sin. In other words, it was, it was like a very, a very short walk. So, so they make this short walk back to Jerusalem, verse 13. And when they entered, they went up to the upper room where they were staying. Peter and John and James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew, uh, Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas the son of James. Let me ask you, how would you like to have the name Judas in those days? I mean, everywhere you go, you got to explain, no, I'm not that Judas, right? Like you're traveling and you know what? You call for an Uber 
And they realize it's Judas. I'm not picking Judas up. You picking Judas up? You got to call for hotel reservations like, Judas, you ain't staying here, right? I mean, you know, and then you got to say, no, I'm not that Judas. I'm not the Judas that betrayed Christ. I'm Judas, the son of James. That's who I am. And so Luke makes sure that he points that out so we, we don't get them confused. And so, they're, listen, they are, in, they are in this room. Listen, they are gathering in this room, and they are worshiping, and they are praying, and they are unifying, and, and they're, pre- they're preparing for the next season of, of ministry. And Jesus had told them, you're going to wait, and you're going to receive power. There is purpose in their wait, and there is purpose in our wait. The third and the last thing is this, is, is they had to wait. Man, the disciples had to wait. The disciples, the disciples didn't have a, they didn't have a choice. The disciples had to wait. Watch this. Acts chapter 1, verse 4, Jesus gave them this, these instructions. He says, and while staying with them, he ordered them, Jesus, not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait. Waiting is a part of God's plan for you. Sometimes we have to wait. I'm telling you, God does some of his best work when we're obedient to him in a season of waiting. But to wait for the, wait for the promise of the Father, which he has said you had heard from me. So these guys and handful of men and handful of women, they're in the upper room, and they're waiting for God to do something. They're praying, and they're, they're, they need God to be present in their circumstances. And man, can I tell you, that's how you know when you're in a season of waiting is, God, I need you to apply your power to my situation. God, I, I mean, the Scripture says they waited for the promise of the Father. A season of waiting is when we realize, you know what, we can't figure our way out of this. We can't force it to happen. We can't make it to happen. We can't trust in our ability. We can't trust in our possessions. We can't trust in our popularity. We cannot trust it. The, o- the only way this is going to happen, God, you're, God, you're going to have to do something. Here's the interesting things. The disciples did not l- know how long their wait would be. Remember, the book of Acts hadn't been written. They're just living it, right? They couldn't turn the page and say, good, guess what, guys? When we turn the page, Pentecost, Holy Spirit's coming. Our wait is over. See, I think it'd be easier for us if we knew how long our wait was. And so they just knew two things. That God was going to send power. He was going to send this Holy Spirit. And so when you realize that when they waited, they didn't wait doing nothing. Man, they, they did much like we do four times on the weekends, just like we're doing now. They, they gathered together and they worshiped together. They prayed together. They read scripture together. They, they, they unifi- Listen, they unified the body together, and then they, they prepared for the next season. So, so for, verse 15. And then all of a sudden, so they're, they're in the middle of this gathering. Because here, here, here's my concern about this issue of waiting. So many times when believers, when people go through waiting, a season of waiting, to where they're confused about God, confused about their situations, their circumstances, God, why is this happening to me? God, why is this taking place? If we're not careful because we don't like to wait, we push the church away. We push the scriptures away. We push everything away. See, the disciples weren't like this. The disciples continue to gather. They continue to pray. They continue to worship. They continue to read scripture. And so in the midst of this, in the midst of this worship experience, verse 15, in those days, Simon Peter stood up among the brothers. 
I mean, this is, this is Simon Peter, right? This is the guy that, 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 that had trouble with consistency and boldness. And all of a sudden, something has happened to him in the season of waiting. And he says, in the company of the persons was in all about 120. And Simon Peter said, verse 16, Brothers, the scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke beforehand by the mouth of David concerning Judas. So all of a sudden, Simon Peter stands up and says, Guys, I've been reading scripture in the season of waiting. I've been pressing into him. And you know what I discovered? I discovered there's an answer. I know we're confused about Judas. I know we're confused about why he did that whole thing, why he went out from us, why he betrayed Christ. But all of a sudden, guess what? Our answer is in Scripture. And so he goes on and he says, Who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus? For he was numbered among us. I mean, guys, remember, he was one of us and was allotted his share in this ministry. Now this man acquired a field with the reward of his wickedness. And falling headlong, he burst open in the middle and all of his bowels gushed out. And it became to known all the inhabitants of Jerusalem. So the field called by their own language, Akadama, that is a field of blood. So Simon Peter stands up and says, for it is written, or the scriptures are said. You know what Simon Peter's doing? He's reading Psalms chapter 69 and Psalm 109. And he's reading those scriptures. He opens up the scrolls and he says, God, he said, guys, his word, God's word speaks into our situa situation. He's telling them, I understand the scriptures had to be fulfilled. And they're gathered together and they're worshiping together and they're praying together. Man, when they, listen, when they waited, they continued to do what God had called them to do. And I'm telling you, it's such an important question to ask yourself. When you go into a season of wait, when you go into a season of confusion, you ask yourself, God, what was the last thing you told me to do? God, what do you want me to do? See, that's why we life journal here. That's why we read scripture daily. So that when we read scripture, we know, I mean, listen, we remain obedient even in a season of waiting. This is what the disciples are doing. This is what they're doing in the upper room, verse 20. For it is written, so Simon Peter goes on and says, For it is written in the book of Psalms, May his camp become desolate, and let there be no one to dwell in it, and let another take his office. So Simon Peter says, Guys, we now understand what, what took place. And here's one of the last things Jesus told us to do, right? He told us to go to the upper room. He told us to stay in Jerusalem. Oh, and he told us that we need to find a, a replacement for Judas. I'm telling you, to wait does not mean that we do nothing. To wait does not mean that we just sit around, and we do absolutely nothing, and we just ex expect God to move. Man, waiting is totally, waiting, waiting is not passive, waiting is active. Verse 21, he just goes on and says, So one, one of the men who have accompanied us during all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John until the day when he was taken up from us, one of these men must become with us a witness to his resurrection. So you know what's guiding them in their season of wait? The scriptures. They haven't pulled away from it. And so Simon Peter says, well, you know what? We've got to do the last thing he told us to do. We've got to remain obedient. So we need to find a replacement for Judas. And um, he has to be a witness. What he tells us, he has to be a witness of the resurrection. He has to be a witness of Jesus' ministry. And the second thing is he has to be one of us. He has to come out from us. Here's what's amazing to me. There's 120 people in that room. And there were only two candidates in that room that fulfilled that. Watch this, verse 23. And they put forward to 
Joseph called Bersabbas, and was also called Justice and Matthias. And they prayed and they said, You, Lord, you know the hearts of all. Show which one of these two you have chosen to take the place in this ministry and apostleship from, from which Judas turned aside to go to his own place. And they cast lots for them, and the lot fell on Matthias, and, and he was numbered with the 11 apostles. So you even, you even see in this situation that, that they, they, they were still continuing to worship. They were still gathering. They were praying with one another. They were reading scripture. They were preparing for the next season. They put Matthias in place for the 11. Uh, they cast lots, which just it's an Old Testament way that they would have to like discern the will of God in a, in a situation. And all of a sudden, it, it, it was covered in prayer, and it revealed God's plan for them. And here's just like a huge principle for me. Don't waste your weight. If you're not careful, you can waste your weight. If you're not careful, you can waste your desert experience. And so there's a lot of times when people go through a season of waiting and there's some hurt and there's some pain, there's some betrayal, there's some questions about. In fact, as people will make statements that God seems like a million miles from me, that, that's when you know you're in a season of waiting. That's when you know you're in a season where things don't make sense to you. When you say those things like it just feels like heaven's door is like shut. It just seems like he's not answering my prayers. I, I, don't, I don't understand what I'm walking through. I, I am I'm bewildered. I'm, I'm confused. I, I don't even understand what God's doing in my life. I don't even know why I have to walk through this. I don't even know why I have to go through this desert experience. I don't, I don't, need, no, I don't even understand. I'm hurt. I'm angry. I'm, I'm sad. This is a mystery to me. Uh, you know, God, why have you forsaken me? Man, one of the ways that you and I know when we're in a season of waiting is when it just feels like God's presence in our life seems to evaporate. And we go through those periods of like darkness or helplessness or weariness or a sense of failure or defeat or bitterness or, or even emptiness. And a desert experience of wilderness is God's way of stripping off some things of us that need to go. It's in those wildernesses, in those desert experiences that a lot of times we learn that there's some things in our heart that just needs to go. See, waiting is different than a trial. Seasons of waiting are just so different. Da David fleeing from a jealous king for, for 14 years in the desert. Abraham waiting 25 years for the birth of his first child, Isaac. And some of the, some of my, some in, in scripture, when people would waste to wait, when they would get into a season of waiting, we'll look at that, and they decided, you know what? I'm going to go around it. I'm going to go under it. I'm not going to go through it. I'm, it always caused problems for this. Man, when we read scripture in the Psalms, we understand how to wait. Psalm 27, 14 says, wait for the Lord, be strong, and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. I'm telling you, when you go through a season of, 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 of confusion, when you go through a season of waiting, scripture says, just take courage. Uh, Psalm 135 says, wait, I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, and in his word I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than watchman for the morning, more than watchman for the morning. In other words, we come to that place and when God seems silent or when God, it just seems like we're just not hearing from him, then we got to roll back and we got to do the last thing that he told us to do. We got to just stay obedient to the scripture. If not, we will fill in the blanks on our own, right? You ever filled in the blanks for God's will for your life? Uh, you're in a season of waiting and you're confused. I don't know if, if you're like me, but I feel like it's a lot like predicted text. I hate predicted text. 
And I don't know, I mean, sometimes I'm texting along, and I don't know if it's ever happened to you, you know, and, and it just frustrates me when, when Siri thinks she knows what I'm thinking, and I'm like, you don't even know me. Uh, it's just... And it's just so frustrating to me. And so I'm, I'm texting along, and she's trying to fill in the blanks. And I'm like, just stop it. Stop it now. I mean, we've been together for like 10 years. You think you would know. And so, but <laughs> fact is, fact is, I probably shouldn't even tell you this story, but I will. Uh, I'm in my office a, a, a year ago, and I'm having trouble with a database that we use here at Fellowship of the Rockies, and I couldn't figure out how to do something. So I text another pastor, and I'm saying, hey, do you know how to do this? And he said, yeah, that's easy. And I'm like, oh, thank you so much. And so, uh, and so then I text him another text. It wasn't what I meant to text him, but I text him another text. I said, great, would you come in and shower me, please? <laughs> yeah, he left for the day. I'm like, where did he go? He said, I don't know. He just left. I mean, he was panicked. He left. He had a weird look on his face. <laughs> I mean, you ever done that? You ever texted something? You didn't read it? You ever, you ever filled in the blanks? You know, and the Google is like worse, right? You ever try to tap, type in a search field in the Google? And I'm like, I don't even want to go to that place, Google. Don't even try to make me go there. And it thinks you know what you want, right? Well, listen, how many times have we done that with God? How many times have we filled in the blanks for God? How many, how many times have we gotten into this se- season of waiting, this season of confusion, this season of just, I don't, I don't know. Well, I'll just fill it in. And like the disciples, they came back and they continued to do the, the, the last thing that he told them to do. He, they, they stayed close to his word. Listen, don't, listen, don't waste your weight. God has you in that season for a reason. And maybe he's trying to strip off some things of you that need to go. Maybe he's trying to develop trust in you, that you have trust for him. I mean, because here's the dangerous thing. If you're not careful, you can not only waste your weight, you can extend your weight. You can make your weight longer. Abraham had to learn to wait, right? 75 years old. Uh, He was promised to be the father of many nations. After 11 years, Abraham decides to waste his weight. And God, if you're not going to take care of this, I'll fill in the blanks. If you're not going to answer this, then you know what? We'll come up with a plan. And I'm going to have a son through Hagar, my maidservant, Ishmael. And as a result of that, God extended his weight 14 years after that. Because I'm telling you, there is a reason for your weight. Your weight is in the will of God. And after that first 14 years, after public and, and private humiliation, all of a sudden you see Abraham comes out on the other side of the desert, transformed and different. Moses had to learn to wait, right? He spends 40 years learning to wait in the desert. And it was in that season of waiting that God transformed his life. David had to learn to wait after a stunning victory with with Goliath. All of a sudden, Saul, right, becomes jealous and hunted him down. And for 13 years, David ran from Saul. He lost his family. He lost his possessions he lost his popularity he lost everything but but David comes out of that season of waiting and it was said of him he was a man after God's own heart God must have done something that season of waiting Hannah had to learn to wait after years of infertility and unanswered prayer and difficult situation God God finally took heard her prayers and after years of pain and grief and he transformed her into a godly mother and she had Samuel, who transformed a, a, a whole nation. We, we don't think about this, and we don't talk about this a whole lot. We don't talk about the, 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 
the desert experience that Jesus went through. 40 days he was in the wilderness. 40 days he was in the desert. And he, Jesus comes out on the other side of that and he launches his, his ministry. I, see, I, I think we've looked at waiting wrong in, in the Christian life. Waiting doesn't mean that we just don't do anything. There's two teams right now, like, waiting for the Super Bowl to start, right? But they're not sitting around doing nothing. They're, they're sitting around, and they're, they're preparing for a game, and they're practicing, and they're running plays, and they're, they're, they're coming up with strategies and everything else. Waiting does not mean to do nothing. And so the Bible says that these, these disciples, they got together, and they, they worshiped, and they read Scripture, and they prayed together, and they unified, and they prepared for the next season. See, here, here's the crazy thing, and I don't know if you've ever thought about this. Many times we're waiting on God and God's waiting on us. Many times we're looking at God to move and God's looking at us to move. When are you going to step out in faith? When are you going to trust me? When, when are you just going to be obedient? When are you going to do the thing that you know that I've called you to do? So many times I wonder if we're, we're waiting on God to move and God's waiting on us to move. God's waiting on us to continue to gather, to continue to worship, to continue to pray, to continue to read Scripture, and continue to take that Scripture and apply it to our situation, apply it to our life. See, in seasons of waiting in my life, I can tell you what I've learned. I've learned to trust God. I've learned to trust God when it was out of my control and there's nothing I could do to make it happen. I learned that, you know what, I can trust Him, that He is faithful. He is even faithful in the desert and He's faithful in the wilderness. You know what I've learned in the, in the desert? I've learned that He is God and I am not. God does not want, to, want us to make him our personal assistant. To learn that he is God and he is in control. And I have learned. Sometimes our waiting, it allows God to work. There's some seasons that I've walked through and I've thought, you know what? God, I, I don't even think you're doing a thing. And I come out of that season of waiting and I look back. And I realized he was doing a lot. And he wasn't doing a lot in my heart and in my life. If you're here this morning and you'd say, you know what? I'm in a season of waiting. Can I encourage you by just telling you that waiting is a part of God's plan for you? And God does some of his best work when we're waiting for him to act. And would you draw close to him and worship and read scripture? Be in the community of believers and apply that scripture to your life. And then wait for him to act. Would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes?